Hi, and welcome to the In the Cortex podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Paloma Garcia. And I am Danny Perricone. And we're the founders of In the Cortex, an online community with programs that show people the tools that they need to change their lives through brain reorganization. No medication, just movement. When you get your brain out of survival mode and regulate your nervous system, you start to live in the fun, logical part of the brain, the cortex. Subscribe today and learn how to live your best in the cortex life. And now, on to today's episode. Today, welcome to the podcast. We are talking about parenting and a lot of the shame that parents feel often for their kids' behaviors and sometimes for their kids' challenges and struggles. And you know, we know I want to start this out by saying everybody that's listening knows that I'm not a parent yet. So I, I can't even imagine, I can't even begin to fathom <laughs> the amount of feelings that you have as parents. But I want to make sure to keep in mind, we know that these thoughts aren't logical, right? Like, it's not like you're consciously being like, oh, I wish my kid were different or whatever. But these feelings do come up often, right? Um, I mean... Not to be like a negative nilly here, but honestly, <laughs> us parents, I think, and I can go back to when I was first pregnant with Axel. I'm you're usually surrounded by other women, and maybe you're with other people who are having babies, and you do have because of society's expectations, right? This need to compare, and right. we're constantly comparing. What am I doing? How much? Like, I remember caring how much my babies weighed. I remember caring if my babies were doing certain developmental things on time. And I had this background in all of this, but I felt like the pressures of that were even higher because of it. But yes, I do think the thoughts are conscious, but I don't think we realize why they're coming from our, like how they're coming to the subconscious. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's not like you look at your newborn baby and you're like, be better. You know what I mean? Oh, no. Yeah. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's not yeah. like something that you're like, we're we're implying that you don't like your children, I guess is what I have my disclaimer. Right. But right. that's the point is like, if you were to have a child in the middle of nowhere and you had nobody around you and you were on the top of a mountain, no social media, nothing, would you really be bothered by some of these things? I guess that's where, where, where my thought was going, right? It's coming from, like you said it, sociedad right? Society's expectations, baby girl. And (laughs) and that's what we're going to talk about today. Yes. And it's so, it's not fair and it's so real. And I think because we have this um, insight as to what's going on with the brain and understanding the subconscious does not mean that we are absolutely perfect humans. It just means we have tools to help us through things. And I will tell you, Axel, my oldest child has been my greatest teacher in this department because he has been like, here you go, mom. Here's a slice of humble pie from day one. Like, <laughs> yeah. he, has, he has served me that dish over and over again. And it's so incredible because I get to now use the tools that we talk about because he yep. was not. And we're we're diving into also the nurture revolution with Dr. Kirschenbaum. And she talks all about nurture and how critical it is in the first years of life, even before you have a baby, like the thoughts you're thinking are going to your child. Are you stressed when you're pregnant? I was a total stress case when I was pregnant and I could, I did have a lot of creeping and crawling and primitive reflex integration in my life, but I didn't have any of the subconscious work done. So I constantly kept doing that comparison thing and then would trip up my emotional system, which would then trip up my lower brain development and making me think that these threats were real. So it was real. a vicious yeah. cycle. Totally. So 
Axel has been an amazing teacher for me to help me understand that like there's kids and I was going to reference Greer's book about the orchids and the dandelion kids. Oh, yes. I love that. Epigenetics is so cool. It's basically being able to change the DNA imprint from what you're adopting from previous your parents their stuff and you just take it on as your own and it changes your genetic expression mm-hmm. and when you have a child who's more of an orchid child which they're saying is more susceptible to the environment and needing higher nurturing degrees coming mm-hmm. at them does that make sense needing yeah. more nurturing <laughs> they need more nurturing in their life um versus the dandelion dna makeup who is a little bit more resilient naturally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Axel is 100% more of the orchid. Siggy's definitely more of the dandelion. Totally. But I was also so different when I had both of them because you're never the right. same parent. And Dr. Gabor Mate talks about this. You're never, that really hit me when you're never the same so parent. So real. And you, and you don't have the same childhood. He talks about that all the time too, right? Like as kids, people will say like, I just, I guess you just, no, I think I just saw a TikTok about this today where they're like, what so many people can interpret the same experience so differently. And for some people it's a traumatic experience and for some people it's not. And there's a huge difference in that. A lot of that has to do with how, what your nervous system is like beforehand, right? Are you set to regulate more easily or are you set to go into that fight or flight mode still? But another thing, and I have to find this person because it was a video that I was very, it was very interesting. They were saying, after a lot of what has to do with it is what happens after the traumatic event. So Mm -hmm. if you're somebody who has a traumatic event, you live through it. And right afterward, you have connection, you have connection with a person, Mm -hmm. the, 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 the likelihood that it's going to turn into actual trauma in your body and in your brain is so much lower than if you just experience the thing and then just keep going on with your life. right? Right. And that has so much to do with the way that your brain is connected to the way that your parents uh, parents, you know, relate to you the way that your family is set up, right, as a child. And I think that that's also for parents to know that is so important. Which kind of brain does my child have? Oh, I love this. And I think this is hitting home for me so much because my kids are almost eight and almost five. And I, I even wrote on their Valentine's Day cards, like, I'm sorry for anything I've ever done to ever hurt you unintentionally because I know that no child comes out unscathed, right? <laughs> and I know it's so funny because they're like, Bob, what does that even mean? And I'm like, just just come to me when you feel like trauma has happened. Just come yeah. and let's talk about it, right? Let's just – I want to own it. And I think that's the, – this is the inspiration behind this podcast today is really stepping into – our world today in 2024, I think there's so many parents who are like, you know what? I wasn't nurtured as a baby. My yep. parents weren't nurtured as babies. So yep. I'm, and this is what Guru talks about too, is, and why we love her so much is that we weren't nurtured. So we don't know how to nurture. And so we're teaching ourselves how to nurture us and going back into our childhood stuff while we're raising babies that yes. we're supposed to nurture. And we're like, it's so foreign to us. Right. And For me, I want my children to know that I'm not perfect. I'm going to mess up and you're going to have trauma for me being your mom. And that's just, that's what it is. But here's what I'm going to give you is repair. I'm going to give you all the repair you ever could want. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to have those uncomfortable conversations so we can go straight into it and understand and kind of just take away the stigma that we have to fit into society's expectations. And just exactly. that's that's the goal of the nurture revolution, right? A hundred percent. You just we just did a reconnect today about 
I'm okay. It's I, I'm safe to stand out right in yes, the world. Yes, and it's okay yeah, to just yeah. be yourself and for everybody to be different. But think about when you were little, the only thing you want is to fit in. I remember, Oh, oh. my God, my mom would never let me have like I have a big forehead. So she always gave me bangs, but all <laughs> the cool thing was for girls to do their hair like back yes. like this. And so I would go to school and like run into the bathroom and be like, like pushing my bangs back and just like little things that you're always like trying to, and I have like a small mouth but then Mary Kate and Ashley had like a bigger mouth. So I would like stretch my lips to try to make them bigger. And it's just like, dude, what are you doing? But that's, it's also survival, right? It's survival is fitting in, fitting right. in, fitting in. And so it's a totally natural instinct that we have. But once we get older, it's good to be able to understand it is safe to be yourself, whatever that means. And if you don't stand out naturally, if you're somebody who naturally doesn't stand out, that's great too. Whatever fits with your own personality right and I think that's something that with parents you feel this thing where you're like oh my kid's the only one that does that mm -hmm. my kid's the only one that has that challenge my kid's the only one that hasn't done that yet right and you know what I'm talking about with that yeah the walking right when right. you're the one kid that isn't walking yet my mom laughs because I was a super late walker mm -hmm. not that not that I was spending that time crawling by the way I was just sitting and hanging out my dad would literally pick me up and like move my legs and be like, come on, move, move, walk whenever we were going to go see their friends who had kids. Cause he was like, well, maybe she just needs this one push. And my mom was like, sure. That, of course that's going to work. Great. Yeah. Like teach her to walk right. two seconds before she's going to go yeah. meet her peers, you know? <laughs> yeah. But think about why we do it though. So this is so cool because you just mentioned it. We all want to fit in. We all want to blend because then if we stand out, we're taking a stance of, okay, I must have something that other people don't and, and they're going to look up to me and then I'm going to realize I'm going to fall short and I'm going to self-sabotage. So it's this crazy like internal process that's happening. And then we're doing that as parents now. So just exactly. like what you said, as kids, I wanted to fit in, right? And I remember always wanting to fit in too, but I was always okay to be silly and goofy when I wanted mm -hmm. to be. And yeah. that was my like safe space. And I was, and I was really confident in, in sports. And that was like where I knew I could just like be who I was because I was confident there. But then totally. in school, I was like, oh my gosh, if you call on me, I'm going to turn bright red and freak out. Like I won't even know what to say. And they're going to be like, you're dumb. That's <laughs> I was the exact opposite. Yeah. yeah. Where I was like, right. don't make me run. Don't make me do yeah. anything because yeah. I'm a fall. Like yeah. it's not fun for me. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then you, you were like, I want to answer all the questions. I am I, like, exactly. good like, 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 yeah, literally. It's just hot. And um, so now as parents, being able to see your child as a separate person, you are their guide, okay? Right. Their behavior is not a – it's not – okay, it is a representation of your parenting. I'll say that because there is a component to being – you yeah, know, it just is. A model. Yeah, like you're modeling. And there's a great quote about kids don't always listen to you, but they are watching you. And whatever you're right. doing, they're modeling, right? Yeah. And it's crazy because my daughter who will do things and I'm like, oh my gosh, where'd she get that? And then I will catch myself doing it. I'm like, oh, it came from me. <laughs> yes. I didn't tell her to say certain things, but she knows how to put it together in the right mm -hmm. context and she's not even five. So <laughs> I will see the modeling part. And then there's the brain wiring, right? Absolutely. So how is the brain wired? And then that's influencing the parenting. So because we just posted something yesterday that got a lot of traction. It was about the proprioceptive system. And it was yep. about, does your child crash into walls, pet the dog too hard, and touch everything? That was just mm -hmm. a few signs that the proprioceptive system is not working how it's intended to. So if you have that child who's like the bull in the china shop, just mm -hmm. crashing through the joint, 
and roughhousing all the time, constantly just egging kids on, he's going to be outcasted in society naturally because some systems are like, no, I don't want that. And then you as the parent, you go, oh my gosh, what's wrong with my kid? Why doesn't he fit in? Why is, and I say he, because it does tend to be boys more than girls, but you know what? use whoever you want in this example um and then they start to go into that shame i messed up exactly. i'm a terrible parent exactly and then when they get the feedback from the teachers from their friends whoever that we don't really want your child at our house because they're not respecting it or they're hurting my child and it's not fun for them then they the parent shuts down and they don't know what to do absolutely and yeah. so our mission is to teach that it's the brain, but it's also the parent. And there's something you can do about it. And you can do it in the confinement of your own home. And we can help guide you through it because I'm literally doing it with my kids right now. And I know there's such a need for all of us parents to be nurtured and then learning how to nurture our kids from a regulated space. Absolutely. I think regulation in the parent, of course, is paramount to being able to see this for what it is in the kids. Because if you are in that dysregulated space and you see your kid being, you know, kind of the outcast or having this challenge that nobody else is going to have, number one, it's always going to be emotional for you. That's just a fact because it's your child. That's it, period. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. that's just part of being a parent. But the way that your body and your brain react to it, whether you're going to go into that fight or flight, like really shut down mode where you're like, oh, I can't do anything for my kid. Like, get away from me. Right. Or you're going to go into that overcompensating. I'm now going to be like a helicopter parent. Right. And I'm going to go and find everything that I can do to help them. And do you know, it depends on each parent, how they react. So that's always why we say parents need to take care of themselves first and then they can approach this shame thing. And there's so much shame, like even like, with the smallest things, with the way that you, you know, wh what you give your your kids for for lunch, for example, mm, yeah, somebody's always gonna have an opinion and be, you know, oh well, they shouldn't really be eating that, or they should be eating that, or they shouldn't be whatever, whether or not they have access to screens at a certain age, right? And so that, on top of like the shame of having a kid that's like a little bit different in any way. First of all, every kid has something that's different. That's yeah. also being a human. Yeah. But I think like even if your kids are like the, you know traditional or like typical or whatever it is, there's always going to be something else to be ashamed of, quote yeah. unquote, please quote unquote, because I don't actually believe that, but because right. of society's expectations. So that's, that's what I was saying in the beginning, that it's not fair because parents have this like huge, like super high bar that they have to reach. And they're just like constantly trying to reach it. And then it goes higher and higher and higher. And you're just like, what is going on with the world? Why can't I just be myself and be okay with the decisions that I'm making as a parent, right? right. That's where I'm saying like, there's always going to be something. So if you don't work on yourself first and your own subconscious beliefs, then that stuff is going to just trigger you forever. Right. And you know, it's funny as you said this, because I was just thinking like, what are the normal things that people say? Like, and someone actually just said this to me, I'm, I just turned 39 years old. And they said to me, we really like you. Your parents did such a great job on you. And I was like, thinking in my head, like and I, my first response, I didn't even think of this until you said this. I was just like, yeah, they sure did. And they did. They're great parents, right? They were amazing. Were they regulated? Absolutely not. And, and they, I would say this to their face and we talk about it all the time because now our relationship is so different because we're all regulated. And I was doing just thinking like, yeah. it's amazing how much by us doing the brain work, we can now have an incredible relationship and we can like, you know, not shame each other, but we can call each other out in a very loving, mm -hmm. compassionate way. 
So some, and I, I, my actual response to that is like, you know, I'm at 39 years old and for 14 years, I've been regulating my nervous system and doing for the past like eight years, subconscious work. And I'm like, actually I reparented myself. So I, that was actually a pat on the back to me. Yes, I did do a great job. (laughs) I am not the same person I was 14 years ago. And that is a fact. And here's, here's what having kids is really about in my personal opinion. We all want to have kids because that's what society says we should do, right? We should. And I agree with that. I think a lot of people make amazing parents. And then I think there's people that I'm like, you know what? I'm so happy that you're focusing on you first before you have kids yes. because that is so important. And I thought I did focus on myself a lot before I had kids, right. but clearly Axel was like, no, mom, you haven't done that. <laughs> There's first. a little more to do. Let me show you where you have more room to grow. <laughs> and that's what kids do. They shine this big giant spotlight on what we have to work on. And I think if we can all as parents take that for what it is and just say, okay, thank you for showing me where I get to grow versus fit into this box. You need to comply. You need to obey. The word obey is so triggering for me because I just am like, (laughs) no, they are a human that needs respect. And I'm like, yes. And I don't obey. I, I listen and I am guided by, but I'm my own person, right? So yeah. I don't know. The obey word really gets me. <laughs> probably, probably something I need to go work on. Um, yep. Write it down, baby girl. <laughs> right. But I think about like even <clears throat> one of my favorite examples of my current parenting life was Axel last season started his first season of baseball and I remember and I am very athletic like I've mentioned a million times here and (laughs) I remember watching him not be able to hit a ball it was (gasps) and it turned almost into like kind of a funny thing by the end and it wasn't funny though because I knew what was going on with him he was he got hit his very first time ever going to learn how to bat, right? He gets hit on the knuckles in the batting cage. And no, and the coaches didn't set him up. They didn't prepare him. So they just threw him in. He gets hurt. And he's like, oh, forget this noise. Like, this is scary. I'm yeah. not going to do this. So then every time he got to bat, it was like he would just purposely step out of the batter's box. He would be like 13 seconds delayed on his swing. And the coaches were just like, what do we do? What do we do? And I was sitting in there watching, just going, okay, Danny, this is a lesson. This is a test mm-hmm. for you because you could shut down and be like, why isn't my child athletic like me? Yeah. Or you could make jokes about it, which I'm not going to lie. I did make some jokes about it in the <laughs> sense of not joking at him, but joking of at me. Of course not. Yeah. Having the joke on me, right? Like, of course, I'm going to get a kid that's not super athletic, right? Yeah. And so that's where I'm like, okay, here's my lesson. And what do I do? And so I knew he didn't love it. And I was the next season rolls around and I mean it got to the point Paloma where people were like they would put bags behind him like obstacles where he couldn't step out of the box and he had to stay in it right and even that he would step over he would like over climb it. over and out to like get away from hitting the ball and we're just like you know I worked with him we did some reconnects we did we did tons of brain work we talked about it incessantly like okay buddy but that was just it like we were going through his cortex and we were trying yeah. to like talk him through something that he was like, I'm not wired to do it. I have a no. deep fear that I'm going to get hurt. And then, you know, then I was like, maybe it's his eye teaming and that's where we're doing fencers and helping with mm-hmm. that. But then it really was rooted in me needing to just be the parent of confidence and and really starting to look at what's going on with me. So long story short, I was faced with, do I sign him up again? 
And oh, yeah. at first I was like, no, I'm not going to do it because I can't handle in my subconscious, the humiliation of a child who can't hit a ball. Cause right. I play softball as an adult and I'm like the girl that gets up there and wants to hit and do all the things. Right. <laughs> and I have a son who's like terrified of it. So I was like, should I just avoid it? Cause that would be the easy thing to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, hold on. I need to prepare my kids for this world out there. That is not yes. going to just let them off the hook for X, Y, and yes. like the helicopter parent. Right. And then I was like, what do I really want to teach him? I want to teach him independence. I want to teach him. He has to learn how to face things that are hard and I'm here to guide him and let him know it's safe and teach mm-hmm. him, right? Yep. So I ended up signing him up. He did not like that. He was like, <laughs> ah. he yelled oh. at me. He actually ran around the house like a few <laughs> laps, like outside, like not wanting to be with me. Well, that was a total flight. First total a flight, flight, then a flight response. And then he came around and we made a deal because I was the mom who would get all their snack packs and I would take all the dyes out of his snack pack. Of course. Yeah. And so then I was like, okay, what do I, and he goes, fine, I'll play if I get to have everything out of my snack pack because he's always the kid that loses like the Kool-Aid, the blah, blah, blah. The right. Junk, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, you know what, what do I value more? Like avoiding the dyes or getting him to believe in himself and push. Right. So I was like, exactly. fine, you can have yeah. the snack packs. You can have anything in it. I don't care. I want you to play. And he's like, okay. So his brain was like, okay, I can get this. And I was like thinking in my head, I was like, you know, we're going to have a talk about like him talking about food that goes into his body and him realizing like it makes him feel horrible and he's yeah. eventually not going to want it anymore, right? Like that's going to happen. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> and um, anyway, so he's been playing and he goes, and I didn't take him to his last practice, but he's like, mom, I hit the ball. Oh. Uh... You know what the difference was, was obviously me pushing from a different angle and working on me first. But then also too, he had a coach who like was so confident yes. and calm and he trusted him implicitly. He's like, this guy knows what he's doing. Yes. So yes. that's the message here is like your kids are going to give you signs of when things are awry. And- well, yeah. And also like him, Axel being able to feed off of the new coach's energy, who's very calm. I feel like that happens to you and to us all the time with yeah. parents and they're like, why does my kid listen to you? Why do they, you know, when we used to do sessions in person, like the kids would be like melting down in the car. But the second they walked in with us, we'd be like, oh, are you ready to go downstairs and have fun? And they're like, okay, great. Wipe the tears off and just go down and have the best time ever. Do all the exercises, do all the movements and all the stuff. And the parents would be like, what? Yeah, You're magic. It's like, no, we're just more regulated. And we don't have that emotional Thing that you're always going to have with your kid. Like you're always yeah. going to be, we've all been there. Mothers can trigger you more than anybody in the entire universe. Am I right? Or am I right? So that's also it, right? It's like being able, like if you see that with your kid, with somebody else, that means that they're craving that from you as well. Right. And right. while the emotional bond is never going to be, it's never going to be the same with you as it is with somebody that's not in the family, you can work on your bond being one of calm, regulated communication instead of like, uh, I order, I, I, I tell you what to do and you obey me. Right. Or what, or of an insecure parent who's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, what I'm doing right. Whatever it is. Right. It's like, whatever you're doing is going to be what's right for your kid in that moment. It's all about being able to move forward and continue to evolve as a person. And that's how you're going to help your kids the most, right. Is by you Taking, you know, showing them what it is. To, yes. We're going back really quick. 
your kids will melt down with the person they feel safe with. That is like their emotional dump time. Like my kids will literally dump on me. My mom always says, they never do that with me. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm their mom. And that's what you do with your mom, right? You use her as your emotional dumping system. Is it healthy? No, but it's where they feel safe. But it's also what it is. And it's your job as a mom to be like, I'm going to help you to figure this out. A hundred percent. And and yeah. so here's to where parents listening to this, we are just wanting to help you understand that you're never going to get it right. You're going to be constantly, like Paloma said, in a state of growth. And as long as you're in that growth mindset, you will take every experience, reflect and repair. And that's yep. the biggest piece is being able to repair what was done from a loving way. Because imagine, like all of us grew up with a right and a wrong and you have to succeed and you have to do this. And it's like, your success looks different than mine, right? And everyone has a different way of going about life. And there's not one way to do it. And we're not saying even just in the cortex is the only way to do it. We just know that through our members and through our personal experience, it has what's given us the ability to say, yeah, whoopsies, I messed up and let it go. Yes. And there's so many people who hang on to that mistake and then it starts to pile up for three, four, five, and then they're just like, I'm worthless. I'm the worst. I don't want to do this anymore. Absolutely. And there's a newsflash here. When you're a parent, the last thing your kid ever wants to feel from you is giving up on them. Totally. It will just make their value and their worth just absolute zero. And then that carries on for the rest of their life. So our call to action here is for all parents, no matter what stage of parenting that you are in, is to first look in the mirror and realize everything you're projecting out to your kids is probably something within you. And then Mm -hmm. also sign up for our parenting program that we're launching with with Dr. Garrett Kirschenbaum. And um, that is starting April 1st. It is going to be an epic, epic time for us- Yes. To create a parenting cohort that's rooted in nurture, that's rooted in repair. We have four live calls. It's going to be the three of us talking with all of our amazing members. And then we're guiding you through brain work. We're guiding you through her neuroscience of how do we see parenting? How do we work through these repairs? Yes. We're giving you subconscious reprogramming so you can be a better parent. And um, and it's just- just Get rid of that shame and reframe things, you know? Not feel ashamed of- things that your kids are doing or things that you're doing with your kids or whatever it is, because shame can be very harmful to the nervous system. It really is. And and it creates a big, it's a, it's a very intense emotion for, for humans to feel for animals, for anybody, animals in general, mm-hmm. shame is really, really very all encompassing. And so it also, you know, can ha- has so much to do, like we were saying with triggers and stuff. And so that's what we're going to be talking about in the program. We're going through the tools for regulating your nervous system from the root, from the bottom up. And we're also looking at all of these emotional components. We're going to have, have a whole call that's about, you know, the, that kind of situation where you feel shame and you feel different and you feel like your kid is, you know, whatever, maybe not who you expected or whatever it is. And we're going to help you kind of work through all those emotional components as well. So this is going to be an amazing program. I'm so excited. And Greer is a genius. So it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. And you know what's really cool is even if you're not a parent like Paloma, Paloma's already going into the program thinking, what kind of parent do I want to become when I am ready to be a parent? If I ever do want to be a parent, like what could that be? Or maybe you're someone who's like, I need to learn how to reparent me and like start with me first. What this is going to be giving you is just that foundation to being 
because we all know about childhood trauma, childhood wounds, they show up for the rest of your life. Like those first seven years of life are so critical. Yeah. And if you're like me, you're like, man, I wish I did things differently. This is what's so cool is that the neuroplasticity involved here is so forgiving. And you, yeah, you do have to work a little harder to repair, but it's an option. Exactly. There's hope. It's an option. That's it. It's an option. And that's the whole point of what we say, what we talked about today with Dr. Courtney Kala. The whole, you have so much that you can do in your own home with just your body and the floor. That's all you need. Mm -hmm. And your brain and body will be connected in a way that's just so much more positive and so much more efficient and effective for who you truly are in this world. YOLO, you know, we only got one life. Let's make it the best we could possibly can. So right. with that said, with that very inspirational um, outro, uh, uh, let's do the thing. So please sign up for our parenting program. It is going to be genuinely a revolutionary program. It's not like anything that's out there right now or that ever has been out there. I can say that with confidence. Mm-hmm. Greer is a neuroscientist who has so much experience in research. And she's been in, she went to school at NYU. She also did a program at Yale, at Columbia. I mean, she's been everywhere. and. It's going to be amazing, honestly. And if you're ready to sign up, that's going to be on our website and at the link in bio and our Instagram. And speaking of Instagram, our Instagram is in the cortex underscore US. Our TikTok is in underscore the underscore cortex. Our Facebook is in the cortex US. We also just launched our Spanish Instagram, which is in the cortex underscore ESP. Our website is in the cortex.com. Please email us at hello at in the cortex.com. We're always around to answer questions. And remember, if you haven't signed up yet for a regular program, if you're more somebody who's like, eh, I'd rather do this on my own, I'd rather do it self paced, and I'd rather get started now, you don't want to wait until April 1st. Sign up and use promo code Brainiac for 10 bucks off the first payment of your program. And we will see you around. Please keep sending us your questions. Thank you. Bye. 